Well, again, welcome to our continuing study in the Gospel of Luke, and and we're beginning chapter 9 now. There really isn't any uh, division there in what's going on. It's just a nice thing that the publishers did to help us find where we're at. But uh, we're in uh, Luke chapter 9, and we're going to be covering verse 1 through 6 today. And <clears throat> we'll just read those <clears throat> verses to start with. <clears throat> Then he called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread nor money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house you enter into there abide and thence depart. And what, whosoever will not receive you, when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Uh, boy, when I was studying this, it kind of reminded me, and, and we're going we're gonna to kind of back up a little bit and review a few things that we learned in, in chapter 8, uh, because he's been teaching these disciples, and, and the time has come for them to go out on their own, and he's been instructing them with what they were going to encounter when they when they get out there with the gospel and it kind of reminded me of my teaching my daughter to drive uh, when she had her learner's permit we were always with her she couldn't go on her own and we would we would and we would coach her and say okay watch out for this and watch out for that and when you get to this place there's something there that you should kind of pay attention to and 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 here's how to here's how to change your tire if you have a flat and and then to be double safe we back in those days the cell phones were kind of a new thing and we went and got her a, an emergency cell phone and it was real expensive to talk on them at the time but we said we just kind of got the minimum plan said here keep this with you at all times and if you have an emergency you can call us and when she run into a tree or something, she Dad, my car won't start. I'm, I'm hitching a ride to school with somebody else. So come fix it. <laughs> and then she threw it back in the glove box. But kids didn't, uh, well, they weren't glued to their uh, their devices in those days like they are now. But, uh, but it just kind of reminded me of that same kind of a situation. He's got these disciples with him. And they're with him round the clock and everything he does and everything he says and everything he sees. And, and so when he says then, in chapter 9, he says then, he called his 12 disciples together and gave them some power and, and uh, abilities. And uh, so this takes us back to what previously transpired in the series of events in which the Lord has been providing them with spiritual instruction all this time, unbeknownst to them, <laughs> kind of. They just thought, oh, that's a wise saying, or what's this parable about? And, and he's actually arming them for what they're going to encounter when they go out in the world. And, and uh, chapter 8 began with the Lord and the disciples. They went through every city and village declaring the good news. of That's the most important thing. And and that's what we find here in chapter nine. They've they've got some gifts and abilities, but the most important thing is going out and and declaring the good news of the kingdom of God. The that Christ <coughs> laid down His life 
as a substitute payment for the sins of his people. And, and while they're traveling, he's teaching them for the day that they're going to be kind of out on their own. And he gives them this parable of the sower. When you, when you go out and sow the seed, some of it's going to fall on ground that's not good. Some of it, I just planted some grass here a few weeks ago, and some of it went on the sidewalk. It's never going to grow on the sidewalk. Some of it went on this place where I rototilled it and got the ground all prepared. And some of it, every morning, I had to run out there and chase all the sparrows off of it because they were out there pecking up the seeds. <laughs> and some of it went that way, and and some areas didn't get watered very well, so that didn't grow. And uh, some of it kind of landed up in an area where there's a lot of moss growing, and it didn't do well there. So it's the same thing with the parable of the sores. He says some of it's going to land on the good ground, but a lot of it's not. And uh, and some, some those who had been given a, a good heart and an honest heart, it said, by the Spirit of God, they're going to hear the glad tidings, and be caused to believe it by his, uh, the working of his almighty power. Remember that? We learned that, that, that power word there in our last chapter. <clears throat> and, uh, and then we think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 3. An important lesson. And, and the, this lesson is for the church too. It's not just for these disciples that are going out, but it's... It's for us. You know, we're, you know we, we're putting on sermon audio here, and we don't have any idea how many people are going to listen to it. But uh, <clears throat> you know, Paul said, "I planted, and Apollos watered, but it's God that gives the increase." We, and he, and he's telling these disciples in this parable of the sower that you, you don't have control over that. Your job is to go out there and preach the gospel. Declare it in truth and completeness. Be honest. And then you just let the Spirit take care of the rest. <clears throat> and <clears throat> then we had the parable of the lamp under the jar. He's saying, I'm teaching you all this stuff and I'm not just doing it for no purpose. I'm not going to give you this light and then put a jar over it so no one can see it. Your... Uh, job is to get out there and reflect that he says his expectation was that they who had experienced grace would reflect that marvelous light from him that they would in fact deliver what they had also received the gospel of the savior who died for them and and then we have the lesson about the family and they said oh the crowd is thronging you it's pressing you it's squeezing on you and he says you're your mother and your brethren are out there and they can't even get to you. And he says, my real mother and my real brethren are they that hear the word of God and do it. And we spent a whole lesson just talking about what that is. Just, it's not just a list of things for you to do. It's mostly it's believing the, the gospel of his son and then being ready to give answer to any man that asks you the reason, the hope that lies within you. That's 
that's that's it in kind of a nutshell and uh, and then he takes him on a special journey we we spend a lesson on this crossing of the lake of the sea of galilee where they they took to a ship and they went across from the west side over to the east side to the land of gad and <clears throat> he says, i think i'll just take a nap here and we'll have a little turbulent sea while I'm taking a nap and let them have a little experience with that and uh, <clears throat> and all this just to bring in one sheep in that land of Gadara and <clears throat> this borderland and and <clears throat> on the voyage over he brings a strong storm for their experience and and then they they kind of lose track of him and they just kind of look to themselves and then they say Oh, we're we're going to be killed, Master. We perish, and they just didn't think about all the things that they'd seen him do, the 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 raising of that dead lad in Nain, and all the other miracles that we've seen, all the displays of his power. This Master, we perish. Now, if they'd have just been like that guy from Gadara, the maniac from Gadara, and and sat at his feet. And had total trust, total reliance in him. They could have just said, whatever this storm is, we know it's according to your purpose. And we know that however it works out, it, that we're safe with you. And, and we don't have to worry about it. But when we trust to ourselves, the, the, we, we get caught up in it. And then we, we, we lose track of him. And that was kind of the point of the lesson. And and if they had just exercised total reliance on him, things things could have been different, save through faith. And that, that's not even of yourselves, it says in Ephesians. It's a gift of God, not of works. Because what happens if we manage to dredge that up by ourselves? We would boast, that's what it says. We would We'd brag about, oh, well, I've got a lot of faith here. And and if we can just fasten on to that, like that lady with the issue of blood, she didn't just touch him. She she fastened on to him and held on to And if we can just fasten on to that, we would keep things more in perspective and we would realize that the raging seas of this world are just nothings in the big eternal scope of things. It's all about the last sheep hearing the gospel. It's all about the Lord bringing in his flock and redeeming them. And so his reply of, where's your faith? Where's your total reliance on me? And then he stills that that raging sea uh, on as recorded in Psalm 89, we read, and just as he would still that raging uh, of the maniac in, in Gadara, a troop shall overcome him, but he shall overcome in the end, from Genesis chapter 49. <clears throat> so these lessons that he's imparting to them, and chapter 8 closes with two more examples of degrees of faith, that that woman with the issue of blood, and Eros, the the one that came with the daughter that uh, was dying and 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 he says be be of good comfort 
Be bold. Be courageous in bringing your issues to Christ because no one that comes to Christ in that way it comes except the Father which sent him draw them. And he will in no wise cast them out. So be bold coming to, to Christ. And, and <clears throat> so after traveling the land with Christ and witnessing so many evidences of who he was and after revelation of who he was by the Father, after all these lessons from the Master, we come to chapter 9. Then he called his twelve together and then power and authority over all devils. I just, when I read that, I thought, you know, they were just nothings to him. These devils and all this other stuff, it was just a distraction. The, the, the main thing was the main thing, the gospel. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. <clears throat> and, and then he gives them some more instructions here. So he calls his 12 disciples together. The driving lesson is over. They're going, you guys are going out on your own. However, uh, the Spirit of God is, is with them. And he gives them d- divine authority to do certain things and, and then gives them that primary directive. It's time for them to test their wings, as it were, to journey out on their own, accompanied by the, the Spirit of God. And and even while he's sending them out, he's he's ever giving them instructions and lessons in total reliance on himself. He did give them power over all devils and to cure diseases. And you know what? That went straight to their heads. <laughs> we find out later when they come back there. Well, who's the greatest? How many devils did you cast out? I cast out 27. How many did you cast out? Oh, 13. I, I'm, I'm greater than you. <laughs> it's not, well, how many people did you preach the kingdom of God to? It was, it was all this other stuff, you know. And, and so it's just one of the sad things that we contend with, and, and we always will contend with in this body of flesh. Uh, in First John chapter two verse sixteen says, "For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not of the Father. It's of the world." And we learn that this lust of the flesh and that kind of thing is not necessarily a, just a sexual issue. It's a, but often appears as a desire for power and boasting and and that kind of thing. And and isn't that just what we're we have to be careful about that because that's just we're prone to that in this flesh, and <clears throat> we always are easily lose sight of them, keeping the main thing, the main thing, and and we're just vessels of clay like that song, and and we're just sinners saved by grace, and our job is just to tell others we're just sinners saved by grace. <clears throat> And so, uh, again, a little bit later in, uh, in, in Luke, we see the evidence of those disciples as they're wrangling over who should be accounted the greatest, who, who cured the most people, who threw out the most devils. And, but we don't seem to see anyone boasting over the multitudes whom they brought the glad tidings of the good news of Christ substituting himself in their place and dying for them. Uh, the very place that he's 
steadfastly headed to is Jerusalem to accomplish that very uh, deed. And, uh, you know, even at the end, it it's just a valuable lesson for the church that we just always have to be watchful for that because even at the end, we still we still have this issue. These disciples, they were with him right up till the time of the crucifixion. And in Luke chapter 22, we find that he's having the last farewell supper with them. And this do in remembrance of me. And he's kind of giving them the final things. And, 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 and he said, one of you is going to betray me. And they're all saying, oh, is it I, is it I, is it I? And then one verse later it says, and also there was strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. <laughs> it just That's just part of the flesh that we have to contend with all the time. And what a lesson for us from, from here. Uh, <clears throat> keep the main thing the main thing, and we're just humbled to be saved by grace. And that not not of ourselves. So, uh, so we learn this is still true in chapter ten of Luke when he sends out the seventy. He sends out seventy two by two, and then the same thing comes back. They come back and say, "Oh, even the devils are subject to us." And and he says, "You know what? The main thing is you should be rejoicing that your names are written in heaven, not the fact that you have power over these inconsequential." distractions here in this world still the same <clears throat> notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven Luke 10 verse 20 and so the primary directive he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick Verse 6 tells us that they went out, they departed, and they went through towns preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and Christ and Him crucified and healing everywhere. Verse 6, they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel. The main, the main things, the main thing. And then, now in verse 3, he gives them some practical experience in growth in growing faith, in growing their total reliance on Him and trust in Him to be able to take care of them even though seemingly He's not with them. Physically, He's not going to be with them. And what a valuable lesson for the church not to, not to get caught up in, in that, but to trust in Him spiritually for, for everything. And so He says... Take nothing. Take nothing. Nothing for your journey. Don't take any staves, nor scrip, the little bag that you'd carry your food and whatnots in. Neither bread nor money, neither have two coats apiece. When, when God sends someone to do His will, He never fails to provide what is necessary to accomplish it. Boy, that's what I love about Lance. He's just like, I'm going to New Guinea. See, I'll write you from when I get back <laughs> or from over there. He doesn't go on some big journey through trying to to 
drum up support and do a bunch of stuff to to round up his bread and his script and his money and he says take nothing <clears throat> and that takes a lot of faith that takes a lot of total reliance on Christ let me tell you <clears throat> and so just as we find in all things whatever he demands he supplies he demands faith well faith is a gift of God he gives us that he gives us everything we we're told to believe. Well, we believe according to the working of His His mighty power, His mighty dunamis, the power that at which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. <clears throat> and so, in all things that He demands, He supplies. When I go somewhere, I like to take a lot of stuff. I don't like to be caught unprepared. <laughs> just in, I have a whole bunch of just in case stuff. Well, you never know. This might happen. might need my umbrella or uh, three spare tires or something, you know. I Up in Alaska, I had two spare tires because the roads are so cruddy up there. I had one mounted underneath the truck and another big one up on the front bumper. And, and uh, the roads were so horrible. The tires were, didn't last long up there. And, but, but, you know, he says... Take nothing. It's hard to overcome the issue of the flesh in supplying our own needs. And that's a big spiritual issue that we have. Uh, and it's hard to overcome in salvation. I need to do something. I can't just trust Christ and not move a muscle or not move an inch, or, uh, as our pastor brought in that lesson. And as he always brings, to trust Christ and don't move a muscle. That's hard to do, and we like to we like to think. Well, I know I need to trust Christ, but I need to bring my my spare tire. <laughs> so this lesson that we learn from the Lord is self is it's revealed in Luke chapter two regarding this very issue. In in Luke chapter twenty two verse thirty five, he says, "You know when I sent you guys out." Did you lack anything? And they said, nothing. <laughs> Not one thing. <laughs> he supplied every need that they had on their little trip to preach the gospel in all those towns and cities they went. When I sent you without purse and scrip and shoes, lacked you anything? And they said, nothing. Luke twenty-two thirty-five. He brings that to their memory that it, it's just something... We all need to be reminded of every day, all the time. It's hard to let go of yourself and trust Christ. It just takes a miracle of God. That's just all there is to that. Take nothing. And uh, our pastor, uh, one of the messages circulating on Sermon Audio is, nothing in my hand I bring. Nothing. It's from the Ezra study. And he says, don't take a staff. You know, it's interesting that a lot of these things that we're, we find here, and as I mentioned before, is the, the more we study, the more we find out there's not very much things that happened in the New Testament that weren't written in the Old Testament. It's just all there. It's the same gospel. It's the same thing. And he's just telling them, 
what he decreed thousands of years, hundreds of years before. Don't take a staff. In Psalm 23, I'm sure you guys all know this psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Don't take your own staff. Take the staff of Christ. That's what gets you through. The staff, the support, that's just a walking stick to kind of help you get over the rough spots and and you want to use them in walking in the when it's a little slipperier. Back when she was having some balance issues, she had her walking staffs that she would use to kind of help. And he says, "Don't don't take those. Depend on me. Have total reliance on Christ. Don't take food or a bag to carry it in." You know, that's what I do. If I had the bag, I'd say, well, I'm just going to stick this Rice Krispie treat in here just in case I need a snack on the way <laughs> or something or a bologna sandwich or whatever. He says, don't take food or a bag to carry it in. Psalm 37 verse 3 says, trust in the Lord. Isn't that what total reliance is about? Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Isn't that interesting? Uh, from the old time. Don't take a coat. He just showed them that he controlled the weather out there on that raging sea. While you guys are on the road, I'll make sure that you'll be comfortable and you won't have any bad weather. You won't need a coat. You won't need two coats. So that's from Luke eight twenty four. And then... He gives them another reminder about that parable of the sower lesson that he just taught them. And you know, one of the things, one of the rules of teaching is you teach something and then you apply it. There has to be some kind of relative application of it to make it worthwhile. And, and so he brings that back to their attention about this parable of the sower. Whatsoever house you enter into, there abide and thence depart. Whosoever will not receive you, that that ground that's choked with thorns, or that ground that's not watered, or that ground that's uh, where the fowls are hanging out, or the hard packed ground where everybody's walking. Whosoever will not receive you when you go out of that city, shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And and just like Paul, the Lord says, I want you to go to Corinth. And he says, and don't worry, I have much people there. But he probably had a lot more that were not. <laughs> so there's going to be some of my sheep there. And when they hear you preach the gospel, the good tidings of the kingdom, that that Christ died for their sins according to the scriptures in their place, they're going to come awake. They're going to, the Spirit is going to cause that to be effectual. And he says, I've got much people in that city. And it's kind of a reminder. He says, if they don't receive you, leave. It's not up to you to make it effectual. You, you can't do that. You, can't, you can sit there and argue with someone until the cows come home 
But unless the Spirit of God gets involved, you're just uh, wasting your time. He says, give them the gospel and then leave it up leave it up to God. And, and I was kind of looking at this sowing and whatnot, and I came across the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and <clears throat> verse 5 and 6. And it talks about sowing your seed in the morning and hold back uh, not your hand at, in, in the evening. He says, you don't know whether it's going to prosper or not. You don't know which seeds are going to sprout. And I, I was looking up seed propagation for grass, and it says, well, you're really doing good if you can get 85% of the grass seed to propagate and grow into a blade of grass. And it didn't look to me like I had anywhere near that out in my lawn when I was planting that. I threw a lot of seed, and I still see a lot of seed just laying there. It just never germinated. And, and, but he says, you don't know whether it's going to prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall alike uh, be good. And and in verse 5, he says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, or how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the work of God who maketh all. It, that just sounds an awful lot like John chapter 3, doesn't it? When Christ is speaking to Nicodemus, he says, Marvel not that I said you must be born again. You don't know how the how the, this new birth happens. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and you hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it goes or where it comes from so is everyone that is born of the spirit you know not what is the way of the spirit or how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child even so thou knowest not the works of god who maketh all so as you're casting your seed there just kind of remember that that you're going to cast a lot of seed out you're going to preach of the gospel to a lot of people and you just have to let it go then <laughs> you just have to depend on the Holy Spirit to make that effectual in everyone whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life from before the foundation of the world everyone who electing eternal love God said I'm going to make sure the gospel gets to, to that person and at the appointed time I'll reveal my son in them. So some of that seed of the word of God is going to land on the good ground, but much of it will not. Their job was just to declare it and leave the rest up to God. And if they didn't want the good news, depart from them. Shake off the dust off your feet. You did what you were supposed to do. No no more, no less. The disciples, they had power over certain things but not over the power to cause people to believe. <clears throat> and, and that's just something you just always run into with people. Uh, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And, and he said, you know what? It's the work of God that you believe. It's his job to make you believe. It's his job to cause you to believe. You, you can't do that. You can work miracles or not. It, but that is not the thing that causes people to believe. 
men cannot work that. This is the work of God. Uh, in Acts it says, the Lord added daily such as should be saved. He added to the church such as should be saved. Uh, so we're going to stop there and, and the next time we get together, Lord willing, we're going to uh, move on in Luke chapter 9 and uh, the subject is going to be Whom say ye that I am? Very important question that the Lord brings up. So with that, we'll uh, we'll stop for the day and thank for your attention. And as always, be free. <clears throat>